Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's Game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA, that's Game. It's like Game 5 of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns, in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnanski, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. This is very exciting. This is exciting. This is our first ever podcast where we are going to go to a game live in person. <laughs> We're going to game <laughs> live. We're watching John Means attempt to throw a no-hitter. Attempting to He's... throw a no-hitter against and, and, the Seattle Mariners. And by the time you hear this, it will be long over, and you will have known for many, many hours or days whether or not he weeks. completed the no-hitter. Maybe weeks. And so there's nothing exciting about this for you. There is, But for us, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. John Means, how many no-hitters have there been this year? There have been two already. Is that right? I think that's right. I think uh, there have been two so far yep. this year. And now John Means, who, let's be honest, John Means... Not the first guy you think of as a no-hitter guy, right? I, I disagree. The very top, to, to me, the number one guy I came into this year saying, John Means, is this is it. He's getting a no-no. You, you, you did say that on the podcast uh, in the in the opening. So, yeah, don't, so, don't be surprised if John Means throws a no-hitter. So I've got it on right now. I've got it on. It's it's a one and two count to whatever scrub the Mariners have thrown up there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there's, there's, there's one out in the ninth. <laughs> Uh, and that's strike three. So there's he just threw a change up and he struck out oh. uh, Haggerty, Sam Haggerty. Oh, Sam! Sam Down Morris. goes Sam Haggerty. <laughs> so Sam Haggerty uh, is the second out of the ninth inning. He's one out away now. The only base runner in this game was uh, was Sam Haggerty, who got on <laughs> on a swinging third strike and then immediately got caught stealing. So this would be a one out from a perfect game. And, scenario and, if not for his own wild pitch but also 27 it would be 27 right it Is would be facing the minimum facing yes. the so minimum now, very now exciting jp crawford uh the the nine hole hitter for the mariners jp crawford for strides to the plate yeah what for the can mariners. i One, can i tell you jp crawford is hitting 245 he's like second on the team in, in hitting at this point <laughs> And J.P. Crawford lines out to short, and it's over. It's a no-hitter for John Means. Oh, a no-hitter. We, <laughs> and we caught it live. What an amazing moment. For our listeners, what an amazing moment this I is. Can, I can only – I'm so jealous of John Means, but also I'm jealous of our listeners who got to hear us call a John Means no-hitter live and then and then heard it on a podcast sometime between 8 and 50 hours after it happened. <laughs> Do you think and I mean look I think I think this is a legitimate question to ask. 
Do you think Fox is coming for us now? Is Fox going to want us to like call their games? I mean, I, they, they should. I can't imagine they wouldn't, based right. on how exciting that just was. <laughs> for I felt it. I mean, I why probably, would you not? Why would you not replace Joe Buck with you and me? For that? That, it, it seems they actually obvious. should do that. They should do. They should. This okay. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how different ways that MLB can can attract uh, a wider audience or more right. fans or they go after sure. the youth, right? And I the think youth, number the one, the kids. And I think number one way to do that would be to have you and me regularly call <laughs> Orioles Mariners games on national TV. <laughs> I think that would, you watch those ratings soar, man. Oh, they would soar. They would soar. I, I Look, I mean, the things we can add to the game uh, limitless, really limitless. Uh, the things that we can add to the game. I, so I obviously, want to talk look, about the Mariners lineup for a second. Okay, but before <laughs> you ahead. do that, let me just say this. Let's yes. talk about the Mariners lineup because that's what's on everyone's mind right now is the Mariners lineup. But uh, I would say that it is uh, it is not a bad idea, not for you and me because we're dopes. Uh, but but to <laughs> but for for baseball has a hundred and sixty two games a year right. for all these teams and. It is not a bad idea for every team in the same way that they now do this with uniforms where they'll have like special, sure. you know, one like one weekend series like the Red Sox yellow and blue uniforms. So many people talked about that uniform. Some people loved it. Some people hated it. Whatever. The point is pick a series of uh, of three games, let's say, and in the middle of a week in July and just turn the microphones over to just random fans of the team. I'm serious. This yeah. is a good idea. Yeah, it is like a good if you're idea. so if you yeah, if you're if you're the Chicago Cubs, you just turn the microphones over to Bill Murray and and or Eddie Vedder or whoever and right. it, it, and just let them call the game and it'll be a mess. It'll be bizarre oh, it'll be and awful mess. and yes. funny and and like awkward and there'll be long periods of silence where no one knows what to do. <laughs> but it would be fascinating. Wouldn't you tune in if I said to you right now Listen, the Cubs are playing the Brewers, uh, and it's Tuesday, you know, July seventh or whatever. And Eddie Vedder and Bill Murray are calling the game. <laughs> Wouldn't you would drop everything? Of and course, you would, I would go find that and you would listen to it. Like that would work, I think. Don't oh, you? Oh, of course it would. Well, it would work. The thing that I wonder about those not and those two guys are great, but I mean, you know, you're you're doing that in every town. Um. Would it be like great for an inning and then you're like, okay, I'm done with this? Like, I don't like, would, would it let, like, if you and I did all 30 teams during the season on special podcast, uh, broadcast day, oh, yeah, fans, they, they can't get enough, right? I mean, obviously, sure, of course, you know, obviously, that goes without saying. But, you know, the thing about celebrities is like they're in for an inning. Like guys like Bill Murray, like that works, or Jeff Garland, or somebody like that's that really is like up to date on baseball and can really talk. But like you bring in celebrities and they're like they're they've got three jokes and and they're in for one inning. And but see, this is exactly the point. The point is baseball games are really long and really right. slow, and so right. what what happens is they run out of their material <laughs> after two innings and then it gets weird. And then it's it would be weird, fun. Weird. You know? it yeah. Would be. And, and if you're like, and, and it doesn't have to be, you know, super, obviously not all teams are the Cubs who have these like super famous right. charismatic fans at the ready. So you might just say like, Hey, okay, this is a, you know, this is a, um, Detroit, uh, you know, I don't know, Detroit Cleveland game. Right. And we're getting, um, you know, we're going to get Emma Stone 
and who doesn't care about baseball, maybe, or does, or I don't know. And we're gonna get Emma Stone, and we're gonna get, um, you know, uh, Phil Mickelson. Yeah. And we're just, and just like we're gonna put them in the booth together, and it's gonna be weird. Yeah. And things are gonna get weird and awkward, and they're not gonna have a lot to say to each other. But then they'll get giddy, and they'll start to just like lose their minds after seven innings, and like that. That would be exactly the point: is that you can't. It's like I don't want one inning of five minutes of like delightful chatter. I right. want long drawn out weirdnesses <laughs> we're, we're, of digressions where like, if you're listening to the game on the radio, you don't even know what's happening on the field right. because the two weirdos are just talking endlessly about nothing. I think that would be so and, fun. And Emma Stone has pitched her movie like 93 times already. And like, she's like, it's the seventh inning yeah. and she's like, right. Like, ah. because what happens is in the first inning, Phil Mickelson says, Hey, I love, you know, I loved super bad or whatever. Right. She's like, Oh, thank you so much. And they get, and then that's over. Then there's nothing left. He can't say, I love super bad again. No, he's, later. Been, he's like, well, you know, in like each inning, he's asking different things whether she was in it or not. Like, were you an easy A? Yeah. Like, I think you were an easy. <laughs> think you yeah, are, I was right? an easy yeah, A. Yeah. Were, yeah. 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 were you a divergent? Yeah. No, I wasn't. And, you are, know, you, I did. are you? Were you ever Catwoman? It feels like you were Catwoman once. Was that you? No, that was Anne Hathaway. Okay, that would be delightful. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that what I'm saying. Be, that would be delightful. No, I do like the idea of like. But I always love the idea of putting people on television in unbelievably awkward where they're completely overmatched, which is why we would be so great on, on television yeah. doing these games because we'd be like, we'd be, we'd come in prepared and we're like, we're prepared. You know, we know all we need to know about the Mariners lineup, but we only know enough to get us through like the first half inning. That's yes. It. And then it gets weird. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, right let's want, talk about the let's talk about the Mariners lineup. All right, I want to talk about the Mariners lineup because you look at the Mariners lineup in the middle of their lineup, four, five, six, seven. Mm -hmm. As of this very moment, so this would count the no hitter because uh, right. because the, uh, Lewis is hitting one eighty four. Okay. By the way, you need to give first names when I say them. <laughs> he's, a, he's a, this is their four hole hitter, uh, Kyle Lewis. Kyle, Kyle Lewis, Lewis, that is right. Yes. Okay. okay. Uh, Murphy. Is hitting 145. Who is That's that? Tom Murphy. He's Tom Murphy, their catcher. Their catcher. Right. That's right. right. That's right. <clears throat> White is hitting. Uh, what is White hitting? 141. White is Evan White, who is uh, a, a first baseman. Who That's right. That's I right. believe was a first round draft choice. Wasn't he their biggest prospect for a while? He was one of them. I he think. was. A, he was a prospect. He was a legit. It might yeah. still be. I actually. Well, he's not because he's. 20, what is he? He was born in 96, so I guess he could still be a prospect. Nah, um, borderline. Borderline, right. And Moore. That's Dylan Moore. He's their second baseman. <clears throat> is hitting 129. Right. And and that so that's 184, 140, 141, 129. <laughs> and by the way, the aforementioned Haggerty, who's in the first name I don't know, Sam Haggerty, <laughs> Sam 213, Haggerty. T's hitting 213. Their three-hole hitter, Kyle Seeger, who I think of as a very good player, is hitting you, we 242. All think, yep. Yep. France, France. Who, who's the, I don't know who that that's, is. That's you know Ty that is? France, right? Ty France, that's right? Ty France, isn't it? By that's the way, Ty every France, yeah. every single one of these guys on the Mariners is between twenty five and twenty eight, and is exact looks exactly the same. <laughs> it, it is a it, it's like a cloning. There was a cloning project. Kick the Mariner out of the lineup. You would never <laughs> be able to do it. <laughs> that's amazing. If you set up all of these Mariners one by one and put the put their put all their their faces next to each other. I mean, they are shockingly identical. No, they're exactly the guys. Same. They yeah, they're exactly, exactly the same, same person. None, no one on this team can hit. Oh my god! I just looked up what Mitch Haniger looks like. You know what Mitch Haniger looks like? Every other Mariner. <laughs> Ty <Ty-Prance. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, really, I would say that uh, that uh, Kyle Lewis uh, is it looks uh, he he you know he's African American, so he looks different. And he also was was Kyle Lewis won Rookie of the Year last year, right? I think he did. Yes, that's right. And was and was a, was like uh, this is the future. That was the that was what the future. Were about and, Kyle, yeah. and he's not not so much at least as right now. And uh, of course, nobody in baseball's hitting. I mean, let's say that, right? I mean, yeah. other than like Mike Trout. And uh, Byron Buxton, who is so delightful, we we, we have the Byron Buxton music. Um, nobody's hitting. Nobody in baseball is hitting. It's ridiculous. No, and and this is actually a good transition into. I had an idea for a new segment. Oh, it, Cause, yes. Because because as as longtime listeners know, we do segments. On we this do segments show. here on this show. Yes. Uh, this seg this was an emergency John Means no hitter segment, which, which we don't we don't, we don't anticipate using for. a lot. We don't need. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Although, hang on a second. Now that you say that, we absolutely need need music, a special theme song that we only play if <laughs> John, John Means throws, throws a no hitter. hitter. <laughs> so what if what if we what if we played the John Means uh, no hitter music and then just tell people no, he didn't. You know, like <laughs> oh, just, just okay. Just give them so the, okay. So the the name of the segment is "Did John Means throw a no hitter today?" <laughs> And there's a jingle that that will be written that will go along, and we'll do that every day. We'll say, "Did John Means throw a no hitter?" Today? Did John Means we'll, throw we'll, a no hitter? And yes. then we'll say yes or no. Okay, so <laughs> for this for this one, the answer would be yes. Now we don't have the jingle, so we can't play it yet. But yes, starting but now, we will. starting now, we will do a, a regular check in to see whether John Means <laughs> threw a no hitter on that on that given day. But here's my idea for a new segment, and it definitely needs music because we definitely need to do it a lot. Are you okay. ready for the name of my new segment? I am very excited about this. The new segment is. Mike Trout appreciation. Oh, I like this. Yeah. So Mike what, Trout and yes. And what do we do in, during Mike Trout appreciation? So, so here's what we do. So the, the the jingle will play, and we then uh, we then either read off some up to date Mike Trout stats, or we talk about a specific play that Mike Trout made, or a specific okay. at bat he had, or something he did that was special in the time between the last Mike Trout appreciation and the and the a moment we're checking in and today's Mike Trout appreciation the inaugural segment I think all it should really be is to say in a year where the league just had its I believe its lowest batting average across the league that it's ever had do I have that right or is it just well, it's, like it's, 50 it's like, years or something yeah 50 years yeah 50 years so the lowest league batting average that the league has had it's like 230 the league hit in in right. April Mike Trout as of right now, is hitting four oh seven, and you you raise this question of it, it would if Mike Trout hit four hundred this year when the rest of the league hits two thirty, would that be as big an accomplishment as when Babe Ruth hit sixty home runs and the next highest person had whatever it was fourteen or twelve or whatever? whatever. Well, right, where he out hit homered more, uh, teams. He out, he out hit yeah, homered yeah, entire teams, yeah, and yeah. I believe. I, I know this is might seem like sacrilege, but I actually believe it would be a greater accomplishment. I do if too. He hit four hundred. I do year. too. Yeah. Somebody was somebody said no, like that was their response to my question because I put it on Twitter. Would it be a, uh, a uh, you know, as, I think I said as great an accomplishment. And he somebody said no, and I responded no, it'd be greater. There's yeah. no question because look, and this is not to take away. Everybody's so worried about Babe Ruth's feelings. I mean, the guy's dead. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just I, he's fine. All right, he's 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 dead. Um, what Babe Ruth did was amazing, but really what it was, was Babe Ruth was sort of, like, it's more comparable to me 
to what uh, Seth uh, Steph Curry has done, where right, right. like he like he he found something that that other people had undervalued and just became unbelievably good at it. Because within a decade or so, there were a bunch of guys, not a bunch, but there were several guys. There was Jimmy Fox, there was Lou Gehrig, there was Hank Greenberg. There were a bunch of guys that were kind of doing what he was doing. I mean, maybe right. not quite to his extent, but he he just got there first. For Mike Trout, and of course, I, I asked the question and Bill James responded that, you know, that uh, why are we talking about this since the chances of him hitting 400 and 700 are the same? They're zero, uh, which is which is what a party pooper. Ma, Bill, just come on. But that's like his whole thing. He that's just likes thing. being a party yeah. pooper. Yeah, <laughs> that's his no thing. one likes a math. There's a great X-Files episode where at one point Scully says something to Mulder about some sort of like percentage or something, something, something. And Mulder just goes, no one likes a math nerd, Scully. And I think about it all the every because I, I I am a math nerd, and so every time I I'm every time I'm a killjoy like that, I'm a, I, that's all I hear is is Mulder saying nobody likes a math nerd, Mike. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, if if in a time where everybody is is you know nobody's hitting, so I I did a piece for this coming week at the Athletic. You can find it Friday. It's my my week in review, and. I went to the StatCast people and asked a bunch of questions uh, about different uh, parts of the, the plate. It's actually a, a two-part series uh, thing that I did about different parts of the plate. They're not to go too deep into it, but they're basically four parts. There's the heart of the zone. There's what they call the shadow zone, which is, you know, the 50-50 pitch. There's the chase zone, which is outside. And then there's the waste zone, which is about a foot outside, way outside. Right. And, and you know, essentially... Even at the heart of the plate where, um, you know, these guys, this is where they make their their living, right? The, the baseball slug 600 plus on right. pitches over the heart of the plate. Even the heart of the plate, major league hitters are missing basically one out of every six. Like swinging and missing right. one out of every six. I mean, this is – the stuff is so good in baseball now that these guys – are have, and and it's never been like this. They're, they're swinging and missing more uh, over the well. They're swinging and missing more. Period. But over the heart of the plate, they're swinging and missing more than they ever have before. And it's because not these guys are not good. Stop telling us about about how oh they just you know they just don't they're not disciplined hitters. They don't know how to go the other. They can't bunt. I mean stop. They're facing impossible pitches. Yes, we are in the impossible zone now. And and you look at that for a guy for even a month and a half like he's doing now. But if a guy could actually hit 400, it would be the greatest achievement in baseball history, in my view. I think you're right. I mean, given the fact that no one has hit 400 in a lot of incredibly good <laughs> offensive environments. Right, right. Since 1946, that to hit 400 in the worst offensive environment in at least 50 years would yeah. be, just be a mind-blowing accomplishment. I'll give you one more piece of Mike Trout appreciation which Let's is do that he doesn't really run anymore the way he no. used to. But career, 201 stolen bases and 37 That's caught crazy. stealing. 37 in, caught stealing. Yes. In the year that Ricky Henderson stole 132 bases, which is considered obviously the greatest single season year of sure. base stealing ever, he was caught 42 times. So <laughs> 130 steals with 42 caught stealing. Versus in his career, two hundred and one steals and thirty seven caught stealing. Incredible. He's a he's a a much more efficient base runner 
base stealer than Ricky Henderson was in Ricky Henderson's absolute prime. And yes. obviously, that's not apples to apples. There's a it's million. It's not apples. It's blah, different. Blah, blah, blah. But, and I, but I also would say this for Ricky. I mean, Ricky became a much more effective base dealer as the years He did, on, yes. that you know? He was running every time he was on base, basically, <laughs> right, that year. Right. So, yeah, he's going to get caught a lot. <laughs> but it just it's it, th- this is part of the Mike Trout Appreciation Club, to me, is like, it's the seventh thing you think about when you think yes. about Mike Trout and what he's That's good right. at, and yet he's amazing at it and has been amazing his entire career. He had the, his rookie year, his first year in the majors. He stole 49 bases and was caught five times. Five I mean, that's times. ridiculous. You know, he's I, a it's a great base runner. He really is. I mean, not just not just stolen bases, first to third and second to home. I mean, he's a great base he's runner. He's just a machine. He's a machine Ugh. that was invented to to enjoy the weather and like baseball. Um, okay, wait. Now, he, uh, here's another great segue because I have another new segment I'd like to pitch to you. Oh, my gosh. This is segment. This is it's it's almost too much. This it's is almost so much too much, considering right. that we also have 30 other segments we have to do. Do, but I have another new one, and here it is. Are you ready? I am ready. My, my other new segment, which we'll definitely need a jingle for, is Tony Larusa, the opposite of appreciation <laughs> segment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there's the Mike Trout appreciation segment, and then immediately right. there's the Tony Larusa, the opposite of appreciation. Segment. Yeah, we have to do that. We have yeah. to do it. Right. So today's Tony Larusa, the opposite of appreciation segment, comes to us courtesy of Jesse Rogers, a writer at ESPN, who filed an article entitled "Chicago White Sox Manager Tony Larusa Admits He Didn't Know Extra Inning Rule." <laughs> and here's the story: <laughs> Larusa said he didn't fully know an extra inning rule, which would have allowed him to avoid using closer Liam Hendricks as a base runner in a zero-zero game against the Reds in uh, Cincinnati on Wednesday. Hendricks had double switched into the game in the bottom of the ninth, taking the five spot in the order, which made the last out in the top of the frame per MLB rules as extra innings begin. The spot in the order to make the last out in the previous inning becomes the second base base runner. However, if that spot is occupied by a pitcher, the team has the option to use the preceding player in the batting order as the runner. In this case, it would have been Jose Abreu. Quote, I didn't know that, LaRusa said after the one nothing <laughs> loss. We all thought Liam was going to be the runner. I wasn't aware Abreu could have run. I thought it was the guy that made the last out or the spot in the order. So basically, just because he kind of didn't read it up, read up on it, or didn't bother to ask, he had to put his closer at second base, risking injury to the <laughs> arguably the most important player in his bullpen, and then also lost the game. So it's congr- delightful. Congratulations it's- to you, Tony Larusa. We have the opposite of appreciation for everything you do in Chicago. Do you love anything in your life as much as you imagine Tony Larusa loves double switches? Like, no. like, like that's. No. Oh my gosh, the guy must just dream about them at night. I, I mean, think he just, I th- oh. when he goes to sleep at night, he dreams of double switches. <laughs> he dreams of hit and run. He dreams of um, complicated maneuvers where he puts an injured Albert Pujols into left field during a crucial playoff game, risking his entire career for the sake of like one the dumb at bat or whatever. He, he, uh, he dreams of a bench filled of veteran players who all know how to play the game right. Oh, yeah. I mean that's that's big. Yeah. He that's dreams big. that's that he dreams of all of the wrong things. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. 
That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond from iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities. That's the NBA. That's game. It's like game five of the NBA finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks sons in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side, found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. All right. We we got, we have so many segments. We got to get to our NBA uh, check-in. NBA, NBA, it's the NBA check-in. Well, there are a couple of reasons. One, I mean, of course, we're going to need we're going to need you as our NBA uh, resident expert to sort of explain to us what the heck is going on with the Lakers and the potential of this whole playoff fiasco. The NBA seems to be maybe avoiding, maybe not avoiding. I don't even know. Um, But before we do that, I do want to uh, say one thing about I I watched uh, this weekend. I, you know, like many others, I watched the the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series, uh, the game uh, on Sunday. I guess they played again. Um, And I I was watching Giannis uh, Antetokounmpo. You know, I'm going to – I was practicing saying his name. And uh, Giannis Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yes, Antetokounmpo. I got it. Uh, I was watching Giannis and I was watching Kevin Durant and I was thinking to myself that I don't – think like every so often in the NFL you'll see a guy who you're like oh that like Aaron Donald maybe is a little bit like this where it's like somebody comes along that you're like well that's that's like not fair like that's like the the game itself has been broken by this by this person right he is you you two people three people nobody can block him he's strong you know the strongest human who's ever lived and 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 you think about that uh, baseball, not really. I mean, we had it a little bit. I thought with Aaron Judge when he first came up, where you're like, "Well, what is this? This is a this is a six foot eight, you know, behemoth man right. who hits home runs." But I don't think any other sport has quite that. Where you watch those two guys, I mean, Durant, they're different. Obviously, they play obviously a different game, but the the, the freak of of nature that is Giannis, the ridiculous like unguardability of Kevin Durant even though he didn't miss the final shot in that game um and I think to myself this is it's like futuristic basketball right yeah. it's like even yeah. now it feels like that they came from the future yeah they the two of them in two different ways right. are are from the future yeah um Durant is first of all let me say this about Kevin Durant I love Kevin Durant Kevin Durant is the weirdest person in the world. <laughs> he's so weird. <laughs> he's, he's so, he's weird. so weird. He's he's um he's like gone through like seven weird evolutions and each time he's gotten weirder. And um he get, he was first of all, he was given one of the coolest nicknames ever for a for a basketball player which is the Slim Reaper, which right. is an incredible nickname. And immediately his reaction was I hate this, don't call me that. And it's like what are you doing? Everything about him is is everything about him is wrong. But he is. I saw him play live when he his last year at Oklahoma City. I saw him play live, and I was going to see Westbrook. Like I want. I was like, this is the guy I got to see. Right. And uh, and then I saw Durant, and I was like, oh, that's uh like seeing him live 
is a truly shocking experience. <laughs> it's like you can't, you don't understand how someone who looks like him and is shaped like him and is as tall as he is can move as quickly and fluidly and beautifully as he does. Right. It is. It is like, oh, that's an alien. That's not a. That's not a yes. human. That's an alien. Um. And then, but then Giannis is like, is like, um. You remember, like in in the original Battlestar Galactica. Way back in the '70s, the alien, the baddies were these things called Cylons, and they were sort of like RoboCop-ish. You know, right. they were like me- right. they were metal, and they had like lights on their heads that went back and forth, <laughs> and they were huge like robots. And then when the when the reboot happened on the Sci-Fi Network, the the sort of like the the cool progression was they had become human, and they were indistinguishable from human beings. And when I see Giannis, I'm like, well, that's a Cylon. That's what's happened. This is not, it's not an actual, he's not a person. He is, he is like RoboCop technology that has been right. given a human skin suit. Yes. Um, because his, he is so, um, he's so powerful and so strong that it just looks like he gets triple teamed and he just like explodes through the triple team like Superman flying up into the air and just everyone just falls off to the side like <laughs> just like, gets knocked over so it's two very different versions very of different. alien but it should be noted the nba right now has like 50 versions i of know alien. that's what's so crazy that's yeah, what's like, so crazy ad is an alien and lebron who's 36 now is his own kind of alien and westbrook is an alien like oh yeah westbrook, westbrook the other night had only the third ever Triple double with twenty rebounds and twenty assists, and the and one of the other two is him, and the third guy is Wilt <laughs> Chamberlain, who is a lot taller than Russell Westbrook. Uh, there are so many different kinds of aliens in the league right now that, and that's why it's like every single game is is so fun to watch. Like it, they're all. In well, any, look, it, it, every team has these guys who every night can do things that you've never seen before. I don't know if you know this, but the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder have a player named a player named uh, Alexei Pokashevsky, yep, uh, who's from Serbia. He is. Do you know what his height and weight is? No. Okay, Pokashevsky is listed at seven feet tall, one hundred and ninety pounds. <laughs> Do you have any idea how impossible it is that a seven foot tall person weighing 190 pounds, which is only slightly more than I weigh at six feet tall, can be good right. at basketball? Like that's impossible. Yeah. He's like, I was saying to my friend today, he it looks like you know when a baby giraffe is born and they're yep. learning how to walk and their legs are wobbly and like they can barely they don't have the strength in their knees to like stand upright. That's what he looks like when he runs around, except that he's also like draining threes and like yeah. dribbling through people. And he's 19. <laughs> he's so young. He was born after 9-11. It's, the, it's like uh, the, the amount of different kinds of athleticism on display in the NBA right now is mind blowing. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, we, we, you can just go on and on and on. You know, player after player after player. I mean, Joel Embiid is there. Is there, I mean, the guy is that's total an alien. alien. Total alien. alien. But I'll tell you who's an, a, a bit of an alien in a very different way. Of course, he is an alien. Uh, you know, for for a lot of reasons, and that's Kyrie Irving. Yeah. The the thing about Kyrie that I do not understand, and well, I mean, actually, that that's that's a whole that's a whole <laughs> show, right? Sure. But one thing about Kyrie that I do not understand is everybody has been talking about for years that Kyrie is, you know, the greatest finisher in the NBA, maybe the greatest finisher ever. Nobody, you know, it's 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 absurd, you know, the the his, the way he finishes. And yet, every single game, at least once, but probably three or four times during the game, he's going to go into the paint. He's going to be surrounded by four people. 
There's going to be nowhere for him to go, and the ball will end up in the basket. Yep. And it's like, what happened? How is that possible? Yes, what will happen is he will dribble he dribble into the paint, turn around, ball like fake to the right, spin around <laughs> to the left. Three guys will collapse on him. He'll jump up in the air, transfer the ball from his right hand to his left hand. Then tr- then like like roll the ball down his arm onto his shoulders <laughs> while he's faking a pass to his left, catch the ball behind his back with his right hand, flip it up right. behind his back with English on it. He'll right. hit the top corner of the billboard. <laughs> And then it'll hit a like somehow like a small like bell Child. like it'll, yeah. it'll it'll hit a bell that that someone has hung on top of the backboard ring the bell, then let then go through the hoop and as it goes through the hoop like a like an old timey it'll hit the ground and like an it'll hit one of those old timey carnival things where like you smash the hammer on the weight to see and then the other thing will go up to the top and then hit a second bell, and it it's it's. It's indecipherable. What he does with basketballs is indecipherable. You can't. You no, can watch it and slow it down and and study it, and it doesn't matter. He. It's like a, he is. Uh, he's like inventing new ways to spin to spin basketballs off of backboards. I, well, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the part. I mean, it's 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 magic, right? I mean, it is, it is like it would be. He could take it to Vegas, and and it would be a show. It would be a true like David Copperfield and Kyrie Irving magic show. Um. But it is the the spin of the ball that blows my mind. It's like there is not one part of the backboard, low, high, doesn't matter. Not one part of the backboard that this guy from any angle can't hit and have the ball somehow spin into the basket. It's yeah. not possible. Yeah. It's not possible. And then, by the way, and this is what really separates today's NBA aliens from NBA aliens of the past, is that then the next time down the court, He'll be taking the ball up and like directing traffic, and then he'll just pull up from twenty-eight feet and right. just drain a three. <laughs> right. And like that, it's just that it's not just that he has these like he's incredible at certain skills. He's incredible at all the skills. Oh yeah. And there, and there are times like you know it's he's the third guy, amazingly that you think about on that Nets team, right? You first think about probably Harden or. KD, and then you think about the other one, and then you're like, oh yeah, also Kyrie Irving is on this team. Oh, yeah. But there, there, there are plenty of games this year where, that I've seen where I'm like, oh, Kyrie is the most important guy on this team, because when he is hot, he's hot from everywhere, and that yeah. makes him just truly unstoppable. Well, it's it, 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 he's an absurdity, obviously, KD. Durant, the thing about Durant is, you and I often do this, actually, where we'll talk about who is the most unguardable person in the NBA, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, and we both agreed, we thought Anthony Davis was that guy. He was and for like a year, yeah. For a year, you know. It's sort of like who's the funniest person in, in America. You right. know, it's like, it's like there's, like, you. we should actually put together that list, that full list going back to, you know, to, to Will Chamberlain. Who is the most unguardable person in basketball? Like every year after year after year after year. Right. And Durant's been there before for sure. And I think he might be back there now. Because I kind of think he is. How do you guard him? It's not possible. Although, how do you guard Joel Embiid? How do you guard that? Well, so Embiid has this thing, uh, has a thing that Durant doesn't quite have, which is so Embiid's thing is uh, he gets the ball 15 feet away from the hoop in the sort of the low block area. And what he does is instead of like doing the thing that all centers have done forever, which is dribble and sort of back up and put your body backwards right. into the guy guarding you, 
Instead, he just he takes the ball and then he turns around and stares at you, which I imagine is the scariest moment of anyone's life, right? If you're guarding Joel Embiid and he gets the ball and just turns around and sta- and looks at you in the face, like I, how do you just not crap your pants and and run off the court? Yes. Like I, it's no, impossible. Run away. That's yeah, it. just like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like just start apologizing <laughs> to him. I'm really sorry. I'm I, I apologize. But so he does this thing. So he turns around and he stares at you for like three seconds. Right. And then he has two things he can do. One of them is he can start to dribble and just back you down in a forward position and then either right. just sort of throw up a little hook or get fouled, which he always does. He shoots so <laughs> many free throws a game. Or he'll sort of dribble around to the front of the hoop and then jump up and get fouled or whatever. Or he turns around and stares at you for like three seconds and he just jumps up and shoots the and ball just and hits shoots. the shot. Just and, shoots. and it's like, and, and he hits it like, you know, 80% of the time. <laughs> so Durant has like a version of that, but Durant's game is much more about motion. He's much yeah. more of like, he dribbles and he creates space for himself. And sometimes he steps back or sometimes he, he drives or whatever, but in beat, there's no motion in his game at all. He just gets the ball, turns around, stares at you and then either shoots or just <laughs> plows forward and gets fouled. And it's really like it's it when he's going well, I'm like, well, that's the most unguardable player in yeah. the game because no. he, ha, what do you do? He's just taller than you are, and he's right, he's, and, and he could jump higher than you, and he jumps faster than you, and he right. and he knows what he's going to do, and you don't, and, and you yeah, don't, so no. and, and he's got the, two things he can do, and either of them is is unstoppable, and so he just picks <laughs> one and then does it. The really alien thing about Embiid is that he learned how to play basketball like ten years ago. Oh like, my he, gosh! He, no, I mean he some, came. Yeah. I remember when he went to Kansas. Um, uh, you know, he was a freshman. Nobody was talking about him. I mean, he was, you know, this project. And I think it was the the the, the way I remember the story. Um, like he went to his first practice because you know they they obviously had recruited him and 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 it was uh, this whole you know this whole deal and 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 they recruited him and they and then they bring him in and uh, and he goes to the first practice and. And uh, I talked to Bill Self afterward, and Bill Self said after the first practice, just watching this raw talent, I, that is the best big man I'll ever coach. Right there, like literally <laughs> after the first practice, he said that's the best big man I'll ever coach. And he had and, learned basketball like two years earlier. Oh yeah, no, like right? he literally was still like, what? How many times can I dribble? Like, I mean, he's still like having no idea what he's doing, but he was such a. Such a talent, uh, and Wild, uh, he's man. incredible. He's incredible. All right, fill us in. You you have the floor. So what's the deal? Are the Lakers making the playoffs? They're not making the playoffs. What's happening? The Explain Lakers are to to- they're totally going to make the playoffs. Like the, it's it's just they, like they just got Anthony Davis back, and they just got LeBron back, and they're 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 currently in the sixth seed. They're four and a half games ahead of the eight seed. They're a full game ahead of Portland, but they're four and a half. They're obviously making the playoffs. They might, if things don't go well for them, end up in the play-in game, which would well, be that's obviously the be an but enormous surprise. that's not surprise. the playoffs. That's not. But my question for you is, look, I think they're going to be good enough not to be. But if they have to play in the play-in game, how do you feel about that? They're still fine. They're still fine. Now, <laughs> the, the weird, the, the, the interesting thing is they don't have an easy schedule left. They, here's who they play. They have the Clippers. Hard game. Portland, tough game. Phoenix, best team in the league. The Knicks, weirdly now suddenly somehow great. Good. Yeah. Then they have Houston and Indiana who stink. And they have New Orleans who you never know what you're going to get. But that's four of their last seven games are against legitimately good teams. Right. The thing is, though, is that, I again, I think they end up in the six seed or maybe even the five seed because LeBron's back. 
and he's resting his his ankle for two more games. I think he's missing the he's missing at least the Clippers game, and I think he's missing one more game. But when those two, when either of those guys is in the lineup, they they're usually favored to win. They wouldn't be favored against Phoenix, but they'd be usually favored to win. And with both of them back, they'll win all of their games that have left. So I think yeah. they end up in where they are now, which is the sixth seed. The fascinating thing about that, obviously, is that the Clippers are currently the three seed. Right. And so that and that sets up what we all thought was the Western Conference Finals. Uh, as the first round, which is pretty phenomenal. It's one of the reasons the NBA is so fun is that no one saw this coming, and we might get this premier series, LALA, in round one, which is really crazy. And then if you look at the other series that are current, and there's look, these teams are going to move around a lot, but like Denver-Dallas is a legitimately interesting series in the first round. And then Utah and who and Phoenix against whoever comes out of those four, well, actually, that's not true. Memphis, if Memphis somehow sneaks through, nobody wants to see Memphis in the, in the, in the playoffs. But, but Portland, State, Portland, yeah. a legitimately interesting team. Golden State, for obvious reasons, legitimately interesting. And San Antonio squeaking in would be legitimately interesting. I mean, they wouldn't win. They're not that good. But like they, they, we're just we're set up for some really fascinating things. Among them, also in the East, the Celtics currently have to play someone, possibly Washington, just to survive. And Washington yeah. suddenly is like the hot. They're eight and two in their last <laughs> ten, and they're and they're suddenly fascinating. Uh, Charlotte and Indiana aren't that interesting. But then you have you have things like Milwaukee, Miami as the potential first round matchup. I know you have the Knicks playing the Hawks, who. Has there ever been a more impressive midseason coach firing than the Atlanta Hawks? Like this is insane. <laughs> they fired their coach. They were terrible, and they've got they've been they're like twenty two and seven or something since they it's, fired it's their coach. Just, that never happens. It's the genius of Nate McMillan. I mean, that's just that's just what that's just what the guy does. That's just it's yeah. uh, it's kind of crazy actually. Really, it's really crazy. Yeah, I'm here's the thing, and, and we'll we'll end with this on the NBA roundup. Phoenix and Utah are the two best teams in the NBA right now by the record, and they're both really, really, really good. But do you really think they're better than the Clippers or the Lakers? I mean, the Lakers healthy <laughs> is a whole other thing, but do you do you kind of think they're better than the Clippers or the Lakers? I don't. So, so um, ordinarily, when things like this happen, you're like, nobody trusts, the, nobody trusts Utah in the playoffs. Nobody trusts Phoenix in the playoffs. But I have right. to say, I have now, I have now watched, I would say, 12 phoenix suns games beginning to end they're so good they're, they're really good so good yeah they and 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 it's i have to say this again it is your basketball crush chris paul like when chris paul is on the yes. floor they just look yes. like they all know what to do they're totally calm they're in control they've got like five guys you've never heard of who are incredible three-point shooters and who are like who who are just like draining threes from all I mean besides Booker everybody knows Booker but right. Mikhail Bridges is like weirdly great and somehow and yeah. Jay Crowder when he plays is weirdly great and Dario Saric is weirdly great and like they've just and Frank Kaminsky you forgot that Frank Kaminsky existed and then suddenly right. he pops in for like eight minutes in a Suns game and drains like four threes and it's like oh this guy's even good now and I I attribute 100% of this to Chris Paul. Like I just, before, whether it's real or not, I just am like, this is all Chris Paul. Chris Paul has done this for this team. He is the reason that this is happening. And I, and I won't listen to anyone who tells me different. You're right. Cause you're right. And you yeah. should not listen to anybody else. Chris Paul is 35 years old and has, as I mean, he's been beaten up through, through his career. Yeah. 
and he looks fantastic. Yes. He's just he's just just every bit as smooth and glorious as he's always been. Uh, it's I'm, I mean, I'm kind of fired up for them. I how mean, amazing would it be if Chris Paul spoiled the Brooklyn Nets coronation? And like you like made it to the made it to the finals, played the Nets, and then just like suffocated the Nets and just like just like absolutely destroyed with like with basically, you know, Devin Booker's obviously like wildly underrated, a legitimate yes, terrific, shooting superstar. Player. But they they don't have anyone approaching the caliber of any of the three stars in terms of like oh, no, fame no, of any no. of the three guys on the Nets. It would be so funny if it were Brooklyn, if Phoenix knocked off the Lakers or the Clippers, whoever they had to knock off, knocked off Utah, got to the finals, and everyone just was putting a crown on all three of their heads, and then the Suns <laughs> just somehow ran away with the championship. I would love that. That would be an amazing story. That would be so joyous. So joyous. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login (laughs) for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Yes, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of its 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond, from iconic plays and arenas to the impact players have in the community. That's the NBA. That's game. Like in the NBA Finals when the Bucks had their backs against the wall, Drew Holiday steals the ball, pushes the break, Alley hooped to Giannis for an iconic slam. Seals game five and the eventual title. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game. All right, let's move on to our next segment. Of course, we have to do our fruit talk segment. (laughs) I mean, obviously. So here's here's my fruit talk. Uh, I don't know if you brought uh, some fruit talk with you, but here's my fruit talk segment. This is this sort of ties into something we have discussed before, but this specifically happened to me. Uh, I went to the uh, store and bought some fruit and bought some raspberries. And of course, as you well know, you have to be super duper careful when you buy raspberries, right? Yeah. Because they 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 mold very very quickly. They're edible so, for about forty minutes. Forty minutes after right. you buy them, yeah. So I I went and I got, you know, you, they have they, they, in that clear plastic uh, package. I get them and I'm looking carefully up against the light in that clear plastic package. You got to. They're you good. Got, yeah. You, no, no good. but you, you got to be, you got to like get out a jeweler's oh, loop. You do. And like you in, individually <laughs> examine them. Exactly. No, I literally opened the thing up even to look and I'm like, all right, you know what? These are awesome. And by the way, a great raspberry, as we have said. 
a delicious piece of fruit. Fantastic just, fruit. Very good. No question. I go to the I go in. I think it was the last thing I bought. I go to the to the um you know register, pay for that and the rest of the food that I'd gotten. I walk out, I go to my car, I'm 10 minutes away, I get home moldy when I get home. Yeah. That's that's in yeah. and, and there's no question. I looked at those so carefully, they molded while I was driving. Mm-hmm. No question in my mind. Yep, that's that's what happens, man. It's it is the it is the diciest uh roll of the dice. Yes. That you can, in the fruit world, there's no question is the raspberry. There, it's yeah. nothing else touches it. I mean, of course, you know, you'll you'll have some strawberries who'll who'll die on you pretty quickly and and uh but nothing touches the the raspberry. Well, that, I just that leads me to my fruit talk. Yes. Um I'm uh, down on strawberries. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what happened, wow. but like, you know, look, I live in California. I live in like the heart of the produce universe, yes. basically. Yes, you do. The, yes, the you fruit do. I eat is 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 locally grown, organic, incredibly fresh, juicy, delicious. Like it's as good as it can get. And I gotta say, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's I'm aging. Maybe my taste buds have changed. I just don't really like love a strawberry anymore. I'm bearish wow. on strawberries, and it's bumming me out. Now, now you were a big strawberry guy, huge strawberry guy. I mean, blueberries always been my number one. Right. Uh, and then like basically blackberries and strawberries kind of tied, tied for two. Yeah. But I think strawberries are down like in the four or five zone. Now. Wow. Yeah. What did strawberries do? What I happened? Don't I don't know. I wish I knew. I just, I can't, <laughs> I can't like, uh, I can't pinpoint it. I wish I could. I wish I had a forensic scientist to help explain to me <laughs> what has happened to my, to me vis-a-vis strawberries. But I'm just not into them anymore. At least right now. Maybe it's a phase. Who knows? You know what I mean? It could it could, it could go be the other way. It could, it could just be, be a phase. phase. Yeah. It, you know what? You could have had a bad strawberry or two, and and it just kind of it just kind of tilted you. That's a little the bit. problem, though. They're not bad. I'm saying they're good. Like they're juicy and red and ripe and like in and everything, and they're local. But Again, they're just they're, not doing it for you. Just not doing it for me, and I don't know why. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's. Uh, Bad break for the strawberry. Uh, I mean, that's, you know. <laughs> yeah. Did nothing wrong. Did no, nothing wrong. I can't, and yet- I can't, like, uh, I can't fault them. I can't say, like, here's where you blew it, strawberries. But I just, I, I don't know. It's just not, it's not, it's not happening right now for me and strawberries. All right. This is the best uh, fruit talk we've ever had. <laughs> I, I would say this is, we, this one, this is one where, look, last time we talked about how we were giving, you know, we care about giving you your money's worth. I, we're giving you your money's worth on this. Oh, one. no I mean, question. Yeah, no question. No, it's, no Absol- question. About absolutely. It. Yeah. And here's a bonus for for our listeners because uh, this is this is a very special thing. I don't even know if you know this. I don't. I I, I think I sent it to you. Maybe. Very exciting for a one time only repeat. We're bringing back the Tommy Fam update. It's the Tommy Fam update. That's right. Is this it, is very is, exciting. Yeah, this is so exciting. We have yes. not had the Tommy Fam update in forever, and 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 we are getting the Tommy Fam update thanks to Ben Pryor, a uh, person who listens to this in Australia. What Ben? 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 You've what, made some bad <laughs> life choices. <laughs> You're in Australia, Ben. No, no need. No, have you been to Australia, by the way? I've never been. We were oh, uh, we, we had a plan so to go, uh, a rough plan to go during the pandemic or before the pandemic hit, and right. then obviously it got scuttled. But yeah, oh. I've always wanted to go. 
Oh, it's my favorite. It's just so delightful. All right, but here's what he wants to say. He says it's his duty to share with us that the Tommy Fam update should return to inform listeners that there's a second Tommy Fam. Shocking. This is shocking this is news. Shocking. This is shocking. Spelled exactly the same way. Right. Uh, we are, you know, everybody knows we are famnus. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and this fam is on the Australian TV show MasterChef. Okay. All right. This is exciting. Ben says he seems like a good guy, which of course he he's Tommy Fam. Yeah. If you if you are a Tommy Fam, you're a good dude. Like, come on. Like the, the wow. all Tommy Fams are good dudes. We know that. They're all good dudes. Of course yeah. they are. Right. And then I just read this. That's what the wow was. The footage they used on him speaking Vietnamese with my mom. Wait, is Ben on MasterChef? What, what is... <laughs> or is his mom on MasterChef? <laughs> Wait, the, the footage... I, I You know what? I didn't read this that closely. <laughs> the footage they used on him speaking Vietnamese with my mom was beautiful and very unexpected for primetime Australian TV. Oh, my wow. gosh. Wow. So he spoke Vietnamese with Ben's mom, unless unless he used my mom when he meant his mom. What do you think? You think? I, d- I think he probably meant his mom. That would be my guess. Probably. Yeah. But maybe he meant, you know what, Ben? If it's your mom, it's awesome. If it's his mom, it's awesome. Tommy Fam update returns for Tommy Fam. We're rooting for you in MasterChef. I don't even know if it's over, but obviously. We're a hundred, let uh, it be the official position of the podcast that we hope <laughs> that Tommy Fam wins Australian MasterChef, obviously. He is, no question, no question, <laughs> no question about it. All right, uh, what we, we, we have more segments, but, but uh, you know, we gotta go. All right, I'll give <laughs> one more segment. Now we gotta talk some baseball, but we gotta do Science Appreciation. Science Appreciation. And uh, and I, my science appreciation today should be pretty obvious because today, the day that John Means threw a no hitter. By the way, for those mm-hmm. of you who missed it, if you missed it, just rewind and and listen to it again. It's very exciting to to hear our live call. It really is. Of, it's well, it was an expert call. It was sort of like in at the level of like the miracle on ice call. I would, I, say, I, in terms I of would think so. <laughs> I think Al Michaels might call us to congratulate us. For, yeah. for that call. Um, uh, today is also my, um, uh, vaccine independence day. So today is the day that, uh, uh, it is two weeks since my shot. So I am now fully, uh, vaccinated. So that is very exciting. Very yes, exciting. I'm, Excellent. I'm very excited. I'm very, I'm very excited. And, uh, you know, I haven't done anything yet, but, uh, at some point I'm planning on, uh, I don't know, walking outside without a mask or something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really don't know where this goes, but, uh, but uh, I'm going to see friends and family uh, for the first time in a while, and that's going to be very exciting. So fantastic! I'm very excited. Obviously, science uh, appreciation for sure. But I actually have a different science appreciation thing to go because I mean we've sort of we've sort of hammered the the vaccine. We've sort of talked about the vaccine a lot. Uh, so I want to talk about science appreciation, and and this is one that uh, yeah I mean it's it's going to be silly to people, but holy cow is the calculator an amazing invention. <laughs> I just want to say that. I just want to say the calculator is an unbelievably amazing invention. It just is. It just is. And it doesn't matter if it's a calculator on your phone, a calculator in your in your computer, uh, you know, an actual calculator, which, you know, we have a couple of those around the house. They're delightful. 
Wow, you just punch in the numbers and it just gives you the answer. It's amazing. It's never Absolutely wrong. Amazing. It's always it's right. It always wrong. knows the answer. It is amazing. <laughs> it is never wrong. If Here's the thing. It's so good. If you get the wrong answer, it's your fault. You typed in the wrong number. Yeah, it's human it's, error. It's never wrong. And I'm pretty good at math. I mean, I'm pretty good at like, like the girls will sometimes like, you know, try to try to get me, they'll, you know, with two digit number, three digit numbers, pluses, you know, I'm pretty good. Uh, but I can appreciate a calculator. I'm well, just saying. Well, this is your, this is a little bit, I'm going to say edging into what I might call uh, technology appreciation uh, instead of science, right. but like I, it's close enough, but as I long as, it's, so. but if we're in this zone, I, I, I can give you a science slash technology appreciation okay. moment, which is Deb Holland, the new secretary of the interior made an announcement this week that a giant solar farm is going to be built on federal land in California. Uh, it's 350 megawatts of solar energy that will power completely power 90,000 homes in the area. So wow. 90,000 houses will have their entire energy needs met by this solar farm. And when you read about it, it's really like uh, shocking uh, in, a, in a number of ways. Number one, how amazing is it that we invented this thing that you just, it's just a big chunk of like circuitry with like some photovoltaic <laughs> cells on it that you just plunk on the ground and I think basically all right. you have to do is like clean it every once in a while. And then you just put a bunch of them <laughs> in the middle of a desert where no one goes. And then 90,000 right. homes get uh, their energy get taken. It's a, really, a, really like gives me like a, a, an amazing amount of hope for the future yeah. that we can get off of just burning gas and coal and all this stuff. Because I know that there's animals and there's vegetation in the in the desert that are that matter and that we need to be careful of and we don't want to just totally disrupt everything but basically they're going to walk out into the middle of nowhere and plunk a bunch of metal and circuitry on the <laughs> ground and then ninety thousand people's homes will will get power that's kind of incredible like i i we should be this it's, i mean this is exactly by the way the kind of thing that the federal government should be doing like they have a ton <laughs> of land their sun just beats down on this desert every day all the time doing nothing except like burning making sand really hot and then we go right. and plunk a bunch of metal down there and then suddenly 90,000 homes have power it's pretty amazing it's think about this this is at the heart of what science appreciation is cuz look i don't know what any i don't even know how a calculator works i don't get it i no, you know I no one does don't understand. i don't understand how they can get power from the sun like i don't understand how they get it i don't understand how they store it i don't understand how they use it the whole thing is utterly i mean it really is you know when we were young when we were kids and we would read science fiction or we would see something on television or, or in a movie that was science fiction they couldn't have gotten it more wrong right like everything they thought was going to like flying cars was like the big future thing right like and right. And, and and the fact that we we're all going to wear suits that look exactly the same with the little you know triangle on it right that's it that's basically what the future was what the future actually is is so staggering like we all walk around with computers in our pockets and we all and and we get power from the sun and we get like it is staggering like we there's so many things that are wrong and and divisive and you know but then you look around and like how did we how did people figure out this yeah how did anyone like, do this 
How did anyone do this? It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, quick update, by the way, because we've talked about this. This is very important. This is off yes. topic uh, uh, from science and technology appreciation. But we have often talked about the correct way once a no hitter has been thrown for the celebration to unfold, and we have dis- we have determined definitively that the correct way is that the catcher jumps into the arms of the pitcher. That's- that's the only way. It's the it's only the way. Only way. Yeah. And and I know it's confusing because the catcher's wearing a bunch of gack <laughs> and equipment, and the pitcher isn't. And so it seems like he should be the one who receives the jump and the the leap. It, no, I'm sorry. It is the other way. The pitcher stands there, opens his arms, and the catcher jumps into the arms of the pitcher. That's it. That's the it, this debate is over. So right. just as a quick update, I just watched it again. So when John means his no hitter is complete, he runs towards his catcher. Yep. He tries to jump, but the catcher thwarts him by jumping first <laughs> and more aggressively. And then John means has to catch him. And I want to just take a second to celebrate that catcher whose name I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the order. Well, is it Severino? I don't even know. It's who's... Severino. Okay. Sure. Sure. So g- good on you. Pedro Severino, because you Ugh. you over you ba- he basically physically overruled the action of John Means, who didn't know what the rule was. He was the Tony Larusa of that moment. He did not know what the rule was. <laughs> the rule is the catcher jumps into the pitcher's arms, and and Severino just forced it to happen. And I applaud him. Pedro Severino, you are the man, dude. It's a hundred percent right. He, he thwarted him, and in one motion forced him to do the right thing. Yes. Like he didn't just he didn't just stop him from jumping. He jumped himself yes. to to make it so that he had to catch him. He is, is he is the podcast uh podcast hero of the day. He is the hero. <laughs> he is the hero. By the way, Pedro Severino uh hit cleanup for the Orioles today. Oh I don't God. understand I don't understand cleanup hitters anymore. Like I like there's so many things in baseball. I'm not trying to sound old like I care about cleanup hitters, but you look at the guys who are hitting fourth around baseball, and you're like, "So does that position not matter anymore? Like, yeah, does, like nobody cares? Apparently, that's apparently it means nothing. Apparently, you can just you can do what <laughs> was it was it Lou Pinella who was who was the guy who let the fans decide once? Yes, I think yes, it was Lou Pinella, right? Let's just let the fans decide what the lineup was going to be. Uh, Billy Martin picked Billy them Martin, out of the hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I so, think that's yeah, that's it's... apparently where we are now. Just bat anyone <laughs> anywhere. It doesn't matter. Nobody can hit. It doesn't matter. All right. Before we go on to our draft, which is uh, just is going to be huge, I think we've I think we've hit all of our segments, haven't we? I think we've. we've I mean, we've, who who even cares? Anymore? Who even knows? <laughs> we're we're adding them left and right, you know. Um, but before we go on to our draft, uh, I do think it's important that we talk about uh, the most startling thing I think happening in baseball right now. Even though I don't know that it means anything, but. You know, we talked about nobody's hitting. We talked about it. You know, this is, I think, the third no-hitter of the year. Um, all these strikeouts, everything that's going crazy. Mike Trout being Mike Trout. The Dodgers can't win a game. It is so weird. What, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? So they've had two major pieces of bad luck. Bellinger went down really early and has been basically out the whole year. And they just yeah. found out that Dustin May needs Tommy John surgery, which wipes right. him out of all of this year and the first half of next year. Right. But but the whole point of the Dodgers was they have they're so deep they can survive the inevitable injuries that happen to their star players. And yet they kind of can't right now. <laughs> they started the year 14 and four and they're now like three games over five hundred. Yeah. Or something. No, they've lost uh, like like 
12 of their last 16 or something. I mean, so something weird. And they're losing bad, to yeah. kind of crummy teams too. Like, I don't know. I don't, I have no, I have no explanation for this. And look, we might look back in two months and be like, ha ha ha. That was a funny, oh, clip, yeah. but whatever. Of but course. it sure looks like they've got some weird hitting regression. I mean, Mookie will start hitting eventually. Of course. Um, And, and you have to assume Muncie will start hitting. He hit a home run the other night, but what the hell is happening? I don't get it. Like, well, they, I mean, they can't hit. They look acro- well, they can't hit, and and you know they 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 got swept by the Cubs yesterday. So we're doing this on on John Means Day, um, and <laughs> <laughs> and they got swept by the Cubs yesterday. And in the, the first game, they got swept because uh, they lost because Clayton Kershaw couldn't get out of the first inning. Yeah, I mean, which is weird. You so know, I mean, weird. they're. Their pitching looks great. I mean, you know, when you look at the numbers, everything across the board looks great. And then they lost the second one when the bullpen blew the game. Now, as someone who wrote a book on the 1975 Reds, uh, who many consider the greatest team ever, um, they started 20 and 20. So it doesn't mean anything. Nobody's saying it means anything. But I just thought this was cruise here. I just thought that, I mean, they started 14 and four and you're like, yeah, of course they did. That's, they're going to be basically 28 and 8 and then they're going to be 56 and 16 and I mean that just it just felt like that was going to be their progression throughout the whole year and you're right I mean Seager's not hitting Lux is you know really not hitting to the point where you're like oh is that going to work I'm not sure um you know obviously Bellinger's out Betts has not been you know quite mooky uh, like at the plate the only guy that's really been hitting is is Turner, yeah, and he's been slowing down. Yeah, like, and you and you have to imagine that uh, given his age, that he got off to like a faster start than he's gonna be, right? You know, at a, at a higher level than he will be for the rest of the year. Yeah, it is weird, and maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something. Time will tell. The other thing that's going on in baseball that's worth noting is that literally from the moment that you publicly mentioned that the Yankees were off to a terrible start, they've won every <laughs> single game and are now basically like two games behind the Red Sox for, well, the, for first and place. Well, Corey Kluber is now going to win the Cy Young Award, <laughs> that's and, right. and it's just, you know, it's... it's uh, by the way, you know, and I realize he's not actually that old, okay? I mean, I'm not talking about Kluber anymore. He's 35 and he's whatever. But there is a guy I am talking about. He's not even that old anymore, and I get it. But it feels to me like Aroldis Chapman has been the Yankees' closer since 1893. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like he's been there forever. Yeah. And forever, people have been saying, hey, you know what? The fastball's slowing down. I mean, it, it, of course, you know, it's it's still 98 or 99, but that's not 104. It's different. And people, blah, blah, blah. The guy's the most unhittable guy in baseball again. It's utterly not, it's, unhittable. He's struck out twenty four guys in ten innings. It's ten innings, twenty four strikeouts. Yeah, he's gotten thirty outs and twenty four <laughs> of them are on strikeouts. <laughs> Two hits. Uh, he's only walked three guys. Yeah, obviously hasn't given up a run. Twenty four strikeouts in ten innings. Okay, I'm I'm actually stop. happy about this because it is impossible for him to maintain this. And so, like, I'm like, great, get it all yes. the way now. And like, to like, get it all, get, get, get all of your great, your great innings out now. And then you'll have, he'll have some mediocre ones. He will, he'll lose control of the zone at some point and he'll have a couple. I... Yeah, he, he will. Like he's, I mean, it's just infuriating because like the, one of the magic powers that the Yankees seem to have every year is that they get everyone's best years all the way right. through the exact moment when they start to like, they're great all the way through their Yankee tenure. And the second they go anywhere else, they suck. <laughs> 
And yes. so like what's going to happen is he is, I think, one more year after this, and then he'll leave and some other team will pick him up and he'll instantly be terrible. Just he'll, he'll go to the Cardinals or the Mets or the Rockies or something and he'll instantly the be Rockies. terrible. Yeah. yeah the Rockies, and and yeah. it's going to be so infuriating that they're going to get every good inning he has in his arm and then it, it then he'll immediately fall off the table. I'm sorry. 21.6 strikeouts per 9 innings. I mean, I've <laughs> I've never even seen that before. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 22 strikeouts per 9 innings. Okay, that's it's It sucks. Uh, but you know what? I mean, look, I, I, again, I'm not going to say because they're the Yankees, so they're going to win, and it's fine. But, I mean, they're playing Runet Odor. Okay, he's terrible now. I mean, it's like it's it's he's he's terrible, and nobody on that team – Judge, of course, is Judge, and he's hitting. And suddenly, you know, suddenly Stanton is hitting. Like, that's sort yep. of yep. frightening because this might be that year. Like, like he'll have every – third year he'll hit the 55 home runs or whatever so you know this might be that year for him but LeMahieu has come back down to earth which I like to see I yeah that's the guy that's frustrated me more than anybody I mean of course he's going to end up hitting 340 or whatever but yeah but but again he'll that's the guy that frustrates they signed him they signed him for what is a pretty reasonable deal given the fact that he's one of the only people in baseball who can hit that he, he who like actually gets hits like they signed him, it's like fifteen yeah. million a year for five years or whatever. It's something in- incredibly reasonable. And again, like he'll be great all the way through the last day he plays with the Yankees, and then he'll go to the Nationals and he'll immediately fall off a table. Like it's just yeah, you can just see it all coming. Now I've I've been saying this for years now, but it's now it's really true. That team is about to get incredibly expensive because I think next yes. year is the last year of Judge's arbitration. Uh, which means he's going to get twenty five or thirty million next year, unless they sign him to a long term deal. And Sanchez, they have to make a decision on Sanchez. Gleyber Torres is into arbitration now. They are paying Stanton thirty million. They're paying, um, they're paying Garrett Cole thirty six million. Like they can't right, let they right. can't they could let Sanchez go, but they cannot let Judge go. And Judge is thirty one or something. And like they'll never ha- let Judge go. They're going to have never. to sign him to a long term deal. Like yes. that team next year is going to be very, very, very expensive and very injury-prone and very uh, dicey. And so, like, this is kind of... I, I feel like they are like, this is... We got to win this year. Like, we have to win this year. This is the year. With 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 a, I, a full I'm, season of Gary Cole and a full... And before all, before they have to start making decisions on getting rid of people, like, I think they're in win, win now. Well, I think they have to... Be, look, they're the Yankees. They should be in win-now mode all the time anyway. But, sure. I mean, when you've... When you've got uh, an old pitching staff the way they do, and and uh, and you're counting on Judge and, and Stanton, if those guys stay healthy, they'll score runs. But I, if they don't stay healthy, the rest of that lineup just does nothing for me. I, it just really does. I mean, Sanchez is just you know he's not even hitting home runs this year, but I mean he's he is what he is, and uh, Odor is you know he you can't you can't start. Odor, at, I mean, he just can't, and and uh, Torres has not been very good this year. Yeah, uh, but so he, far. you're you're very. Uh, I love how down on their lineup you are. It gives me hope and 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 makes right. me see rainbows when you whenever you talk about how you <laughs> but, don't buy their lineup. But I I just I can't help it. I just feel like they're going to be mashing. Like by in in a month they're just gonna come alive. That's because what you think Clint Frazier and Aaron Hicks and those guys are actually yeah like a, yeah, yeah and yeah. and Gleyber yeah, Torres well, it's, like it's I, fair. And, and I feel also and that Torres, yeah. you're gonna yeah. look up in August and Rugnet Odor is gonna have 25 home runs and it's gonna be infuriating. 
Yeah, probably so. Probably so. I mean, look, Laboratories <laughs> is good. He's a good player. I mean, Laboratories is a good player. And, and those other guys are, are you know, I could see Frazier and Hicks, but but they're both look disastrously bad right now. And, and uh, you know, dare to dream. That's all, all right. I'm going to say. Dare to dream. All right. This episode is brought to you by BetMGM. Sign up today with BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic, and get a $1,000 risk-free first bet. Plus, get a free three-month subscription to The Athletic. Just sign up at betmgm.com slash theathleticpod, that's P-O-D, to take advantage of this special offer from the kings of sportsbooks. That's betmgm.com slash theathleticpod, P-O-D. New customer offer, paid in bonus dollars. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Cue the disclaimer. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. Ready to take a trip? Hear about all the must-see places with Thrillist's new series, Get Out of Town. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. Go from the East Coast to the West and everywhere in between. Like the best spot to grab a drink on the San Antonio Riverwalk. There's a million reasons to get out of town. The only hard part is choosing where to go first. Listen to Get Out of Town with Thrillist everywhere you get podcasts. Brought to you by the City Advantage Platinum Select Card. All right, it's time for our uh, draft. By the way, uh, I, here's a, another live update, uh, you know, and this is, and I wouldn't say it's, all right, maybe it's almost as big as the John Means no-hitter. I don't, I don't know if it's quite as big, but apparently I am being alerted by my wife that a box has just arrived, and the box is a filled with uh, galleys of my new book, the Baseball 100. Oh, so galleys have arrived. Galleys are the first edition of the book. It's like a paperback thing that they give to uh, to um, critics and uh, and early influencers and uh, and all that sort of thing. So uh, apparently, my bo- a box has arrived filled with uh, with Baseball 100s, which is coming out September 28th. Don't you have a book? coming out i do Did thank I you for asking right? yes i don't know if i've mentioned this before but i have a book coming out no my, my book no. won't won't be out for for until 2022 it'll be coming out in the in march or oh April. i wasn't it supposed to be late wasn't it supposed to be late 2021 there was a big question about whether it's going to be late 2021 or early 2022 it eventually became early 2022 in part because not to bore you with this but the pandemic kind of created this like supply chain problem which is that all these Uh, huge books that were going to come out last year got pushed to this year so you have you have like the baseball 100 it's exactly right so in the in the (laughs) crut there's like so all of last year's books and all of this year's books are now like fighting for airtime and so the publisher was like well why don't we just move Uh, it we'll just slide it later so it's now probably march or april of next year we don't know exactly um, but yeah, it's called, it's going to be called how to be perfect, which is it's like a how-to guide for making the correct <laughs> moral decision in every situation you ever encounter anywhere on earth forever, as long as you live. And, uh, it guarantees you that if you read this book, you will know exactly how to be a perfect human being. Yes. It's a pretty good guarantee, yes. right? 
that's it's great. So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> so I'm yeah, reading ahead. It's coming. It's coming out. Uh, it's coming out next year. But your baseball one hundred book comes out in September, October. That's right. So, September twenty eighth. It, it is. It is uh, coming out. It is available for pre order. Uh, if people are interested in that, and if people do pre order, uh, I can tell you that we're planning some pretty exciting things. I, I you know really? what, just because six people listen to this, I can tell you a couple of the exciting things. Well, one of the exciting things that we're thinking about. Uh, it is possible that if you if you pre-order, which I'm trying to make this work, if you pre-order and you are chosen among the pre-orders, I don't know how many we can choose or whatever, you can submit to me somehow, maybe by email or I don't even know how we would do this yet, your favorite player, and I will tell you where they rank. Whoa. How about this? Whoa. How about this? Now, if you... So Exciting. let's say that you... We're the person who did this, and you said, "All right, my favorite player is Dwayne Kuyper." Right. Where would Dwayne Kuyper rank in the all-time list? I he is on my list. I have the list, and and he is on there. I cannot give you that number because uh, you know I'm giving away secrets. I, see I actually secret information, <laughs> proprietary I, information. I, I just did an event. I just did an event. It was so great. I did an event with uh, John Grisham, which is strange and and weird that that I did that. But he has a new book out called Suli which is a basketball book. And uh, so they wanted me to do an event with John Grisham, who is a delightful man, very nice person and uh, very, uh, very fun and a big, big, big baseball fan. And so somewhere in the middle of this conversation about his book, uh, my book came up. I think we were talking about baseball and and they had told me, you know, mention your book. And I started to, you know, I said, yeah, you know, I've got this book coming out. And he didn't want to talk about his book anymore. He just wanted to talk for the rest of the time about my book, which was very nice of him. But at one point he said, so who's number one on your list? And I'm like, John, I'm not giving away the ending of your book. (laughs) I mean, mean, come on. I mean, come on. All right. I am so excited about our draft this week. Their draft... I guess people will know why we are doing this draft because uh, because by the time you hear this, you will have heard the advertisement. Um, but we are doing a draft, and our draft. This might be the most excited I've been for a draft. I, this, I, when you gave me this news, I was <laughs> well. The news about the sponsor is, was hugely yes. exciting. Yes, yes. So so uh, if you uh, are listening to this on the Athletic, you have not. Uh, heard the ad because uh, if you listen to it on the athletic uh, you don't get ads but for the rest of you you already know that the presenting sponsor of the podcast is uh tops tops so cards. cool oh it's so exciting very exciting so we are drafting um baseball card poses that is our draft this mm-hmm. week. i i'm so excited i'm so excited that literally i went in to my uh set of 1976 tops baseball cards and I pulled out like 15 of them that I love so I can use those poses specifically for this thing. But it is, we are we are not drafting our favorite baseball cards or anything like that. No. We are only drafting baseball card poses That's that right. we love. That's right. Yeah. And and I don't know if you took this since you invented it, so I don't know. <laughs> we could have decided this beforehand. But I don't know if you took this as specific poses on specific cards or just general categories of poses. No, no, general categories of that, poses. That's what I, that's what I yeah, assumed yeah, you meant. Okay, yeah. so who has the first pick? All right. Uh, you know what? You have the first pick. Oh, it's very kind of you. So yes. um, on some baseball cards of pitchers, they, there is an angle that where they would get the mid wind up 
and there is right. an angle where the pitcher's pitching arm is bent back at what looks to be an impossible <laughs> angle. It looks to be that the, the his elbow has broken and the and his arm is his forearm is parallel to the ground, which seems to be like a completely impossible angle. I don't remember the it's, year, but there was a Dan Petrie card, I think, from the early eighties that had this. If you if you just look at a bunch of pitchers in their windups, a bunch of cards like that, you'll see what I'm talking about, or if you don't know already. And I it's always amazing. loved those cards because oh, it, it just looked like part partly I think the reason I loved it was it it really highlights what a completely unnatural thing it is to throw, <laughs> to throw a baseball yeah. overhand from a windup, and uh, so that's like that's my number one. That's my top. Well, uh, and pose. it's uh, an amazing number one. The best version of that that I have ever seen. You might remember this, the Sports Illustrated cover of Dwight Good. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. In Where his 84? arm literally like, looks rubber. Yeah. Right, eighty four. Uh, might have been spring 85. I can't remember if it was during his 84 season or spring before, uh, right after that, where his arm literally looks like rubber. Yeah. It's just so, it's insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. Yes, yeah, oh, wonderful. I love that so much. All right. With my first pick, I am going to feed off of the 1976 Mickey Rivers card, which is wonderful, by the way. If, if, if I'm not choosing that specific card, but I'm choosing that pose. It is Mickey Rivers. Standing under an imaginary pop-up. So it's like he's got his <laughs> arms <laughs> to the side and he's got his glove up and he's looking at the sky. Like there is like a pop-up, like he's about to catch a pop-up. And and it's so oh, it's so joyous. I just I just imagine what it was like for the photographer. Like he's going, no, 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 look up at the sky. Okay. No, the ball's coming. The ball's coming. The, you know what I mean? Like, how do you, how do you actually get those guys to pose like that? But there are several versions of it. There's the version where the glove is actually right above your head, right? Where it looks like you're about to catch a pop-up. Sure. But his is particularly great because his arms are spread apart. And so you can see his face and he's squinting up against the sky. Oh, what a great pose. Wonderful. I love it. Wonderful. I love, love it. it. Um, so, okay. For my second pick. So the, the kind of classic, um, like way to pose for any picture is to look at the camera and smile. Right. And there are yes. some, there are some baseball cards with very memorable versions of this. The Ken Griffey Jr. Upper deck rookie is oh. one I always think about. There's uh, every Derek Jeter card that was a sort of straight to camera thing. He always was flashing his winning smile. The 86 Bo Jackson or uh, I think it's 86. Yeah. 86 Bo Jackson. He's got a, like a, uh, like a, he's just looking at the camera and he's smiling and it's just like, yes. it's all, all is good in the world. Right. <laughs> but some guys had a look on their face, which was, I don't want to be here. I don't like this. This is stupid. You're annoying me. I wish I didn't have to do this. And it's like a glower is the only yes. way to put it. And the, yes. the one that I thought of immediately was the 1985 tops, Eddie Murray, uh, oh. he just is, he's like, he's, he's got the most amazing facial hair ever. It's the, it's the mutton chop sideburns that turn into the mustache, but no beard, <laughs> which is just incredible. But he just is looking, I don't, I'm not sure if he posed for it or whether they just caught it somewhere in a game, but he just looks like, get out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't like <laughs> well, this. I don't want, I want, I want no part of this. 
And, and he's not even looking at the camera. He's kind of looking at like the guy who's telling him that he still has to be there or something. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, yes. It's, and it's there so are other funny. Eddie Murray cards uh, from the from the past that I remember where he is smiling. Like, they're, they're, right. like it's not like Eddie Murray was. I don't know if he was a famously glowery type of guy, but it that could be, but, I guess. but that card, like there, I I feel like there's also a Rod Beck in there. Somewhere yes. where where he's glowering because I was you know a closer glower or whatever, um, but uh, but general I love the cards where it was like I have made it I'm in the major leagues I'm posing for my baseball card and I'm gonna just glower at you and I'm not <laughs> just, I'm not gonna smile I'm not gonna like I'm gonna like try to be intimidating in a baseball card I always thought that oh was such gosh. a funny move. It's so great. It's so great. It really is the Joel Embiid glare that they're just giving you, that Eddie Murray is just giving. I mean, he just looks so unhappy to yeah. be there. Just miserable. so <laughs> utterly miserable to be there. I love that. I love that. All right, with my second pick, I am choosing, and, and again, this is on many, many cards, but it's inspired by the Jay Johnstone uh, 1976 card. Jay Johnstone, of course, famous for numerous goofy uh, once, but this one is not goofy. This is this is a typical baseball card pose. Certainly in the seventies and and eighties, he's on one knee with the bat over his shoulder, right? Which is basically how they made us all pose for little league, right? right? Wasn't right. that what, like yeah. we had like okay, everybody on one? No, no, same knee. Everybody one knee, and you put the how that that that's not baseball. There's nothing baseball about that that scene whatsoever. It's, like it's, that never happens. I know it's wonderful, and that that is an incredibly <laughs> common one too. Like yes, there's like yes, a, there's a it's a it's a very it was oh, sort of it must have been part of like the the tops Fleer Donruss <laughs> style book or whatever where they were like just the if you don't know what to do just put him on one knee and put a bat on his shoulder and <laughs> yeah it's, it is so weird it's never it's like unless you're like in the in the on deck circle I guess or in the whole. Right. Maybe, maybe, but nobody but, even does that anymore. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. One knee. Okay, put the bat over your shoulder. Now smile. Like that's it's it's almost as if the person taking the photo doesn't know anything about baseball. Like he's just yeah. like, oh well, what do you whatever you do, just yeah, get on a knee and just but but I mean, how many times did you do it for little league? Like, I mean, that was every I mean, year. When, yes, photo, if that's yeah. how you did it. That's just what they told you. You either <laughs> you either held the bat like you were hitting and smiled at the camera, or you got on one knee and put the right. bat on your shoulder. Yeah, those were the two the options. The one knee put the bat over your shoulder. Yes. <laughs> it has to be resting on the shoulder, by the way. It has to be like actually leaning on your shoulder. That is that is the correct way to that's do right. that. That's um, right. All right, that's delightful. My next pick is reserved, I think, for a very small number of guys. Uh, who were like defensive okay. wizards? Uh, in in some cases, literally, usually Ozzy <laughs> Smith had this card, and it's a middle infielder right. who is in the middle of turning a double play. So the nineteen ninety yes. the nineteen ninety upper deck Ozzy Smith was like this. There is a uh, I think it's the ninety two score Robbie Alomar is like this. I'm gonna look it up now. Yes, the nineteen ninety two score Robbie Alomar is he's in the middle of turning a double play and he's like flying. His arms are out to the sides and he's in midair. And the great thing about this is it, for the rare occasion when you got that version of a card, you also saw like the legs or flailing arm of the guy who's sliding into second who's already been called out. So it was like a double card where you were like, oh, look, this other player is also in this card. And you could... 
and you could like go back and find the game where it happened if you had the box scores, you know, like you'd, oh, this is in that Cubs game. Cause like the Ozzie Smith card is definitely at Wrigley, and the guy who's sliding in is definitely on the Cubs. And so like you could actually oh, yeah. like, he was and it like, looks, it's, it's like Keith Moreland or somebody. I mean, it's just like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not, it doesn't even look like somebody with particularly great shape. No, it just kinda no, looks it's like, like a sort okay, of pudgy, yeah. a pudgy power hitter from the, from the late eighties, early nineties. But I just, I was, I always was like, you know what, if you get, if you're, if you get that card, if they let you have that pose, it means you're a great defensive player. And so I always loved the That's like right. few That's guys. Right. It's like a, it's only second baseman or shortstops, usually only shortstops, frankly. And it was always like these are the very they they're capturing the defensive prowess of this particular player. Oh, it's so good. It's so true. But, you know, that the interesting thing is, of course, those could very well be in the 70s and 80s tops in action cards right like oh, those, well, like that's what hey well listen you, you don't would... don't give away the rest of the draft don't give away the rest of the draft <laughs> i just wanted to say you could save those for that you know there's an interesting uh baseball uh i guess it's a trivia question it's sort of a bit of of, of fun trivia that if only if you worked at a uh newspaper you probably knew this thing so in the 1980s who do you think appeared in uh, whose photo appeared in more newspapers from baseball throughout the 1980s. Like, who do you think would be the most that would appear in in, in photos in the 1980s? Wait, so I, I don't, I don't yeah. understand the question. So One more time. What player appeared in more photos in newspapers across the country in the 1980s, in the decade of the 80s, like like a specific photo or a no, player no, no, whose player, photo appears. Like, who, yeah, yeah. I would I would guess um, Kirby Puckett or Dave Winfield. Right, Winfield. You'd guess Reggie. Maybe you'd guess Wade Boggs. Maybe you'd guess Win. Uh, Roger Clemens. Right. These are the people you would guess. Gooden. Um, the correct answer is Sean Dunstan, and there's a reason for this. It is because uh, they always were playing day games at Wrigley. And the photo that every single photographer takes is that photo of turning the double play at second base. So that photo, some version of 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 Sean Dunstan turning the double play appeared in more newspapers than all the other players. Wow, that's so that? fascinating. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Great. Love it. Great trivia. The, those of us those of us who tell us they say the podcast doesn't educate. Come on. All right. Um <laughs> All right, my third pick. I am choosing, uh, and and it, again, this will be this will be. Uh, if if you want to look this up, you guys can look these up. It's super easy on the internet. Uh, this is inspired by Enzo Hernandez's 1976 tops card. It is the player uh, bunting the ball, but the, but the fo- well, he's not bunting the ball because there's no ball in it. But he's 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 reaching out for the bunt, and the, what makes the photo pose so wonderful is. It has to be straight on, right? Like, like you, you. It's it has to be so close that you don't even see the whole bat. Like you just see, you know, the bat kind of runs off the rest of the card, and it has to basically the photo. Apparently, is, you are the ball in the photo. You as the as the person seeing this, uh, you are represented. Yes, right. The point of view is the ball. Yes, yes, the ball. absolutely. The point of view is the ball coming at them, and the guy's about to bunt, and he's usually got a smile on his face, like, "Oh, I can't wait to bunt you." It's it is so joyous, so happy. 
That's a great one. I, I, I've forgotten where like the camera sort of a lower angle and you're coming right, up to right. the bat. Yes. Yes. Wonderful. I love it. I love it. Great, great, great pick. Um, my next pick is uh, also reserved for a, for a select few. And it's the power hitter who is at the end of his swing and his whole body is like contorted <laughs> and like just like every like he's like grimacing because he's just swung so hard. He's either struck out and you don't know it because you can't see the catcher or has just hit like a 500 foot home run. <laughs> and like the 1980 Reggie Jackson was this oh, yeah. card where he's just he's just has he's his uh, left knee is almost on the ground and his his upper torso is completely contorted and the bat is fully behind him. Also, the uh, there was a um, upper deck. There was like a 90. 91 upper deck Cecil Fielder where he's like he's it looks like he's swung so hard he's about to tip over sideways <laughs> like he's so he's just like completely uh it, it uh it was like one of those um special cards I'm looking it up now here we go the, it's like the diamond skills upper deck Cecil Fielder from I think 1991 um where he's just like it, it's just he is just absolutely crushed oh, the yeah. ball it's one of those <laughs> seven hundred foot Tiger Stadium Cecil Fielder home runs. I just always loved it. It's like the closest you would get in a baseball card to feeling like you're in that moment because of how hard they had swung at the ball. Well, I love the fact that like some of these guys, when you see them, like they get the photo of them swinging the bat, it's clearly posed. I mean, they're not actually swinging the bat, right? They're just they're halfway through their swing and they stop, and then so I like the ones that that you can feel like, oh, they really swung the bat. Now, of course, those are the ones that you're talking about are in-game stuff. But there are also those that, like, clearly they are swinging the bat. And it's almost like the photographer's like, no, no, just stop. You don't have to, you don't actually have to swing. And they're like, no, I'm swinging the bat. But this I'm talking like, about where it's clearly game action. You're talking about game action, the, which yeah. I love. I'm talking about game action, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love, look, I mean, so I'll, I'll go with mine sort of off the same thing. I love game action uh, pitcher photos that you have to turn the card horizontally. So there, there are quite a few versions of this. Nolan Ryan's got a, a famous one uh, where, where you have to do it. Where like, where like they, the photo is so good because they're in full motion and it's during the game. So you, you get to see the crowd in the background and you see the whole, the whole picture. Um, but, but I always wondered like at tops, what are they doing? Like at tops, they're like, Hey, didn't you get us any verticals of Ryan? Like, I mean, like, like <laughs> our cards are vertical. You realize that, right? Like we always go with it. Like, no, no, this is, this is a better photo. And they just said, fine. We're just turning the card sideways. We, yeah. you know, that's it because it's, it's the photo is so good, but I love that. Like that's stretched out. It's kind of a little bit like your, uh, you're talking about like the Dwight Gooden rubber arm photo, but I like it yeah. even more when it's at the end, he's already released the ball and like the whole body is kind of splayed, you know, forward. Oh, wonderful. I I mean, that happened a lot more commonly later. They would do horizontal yes. cards that became more common. But in the old days, uh, a horizontal card felt really special. And it actually ties it right in right into my final pick, 
which is the 1982 Topps in Action oh, series. The best. So the I to my mind the best baseball card of my youth was the 1982 Topps in Action card and and it and there's a lot of different ways that it's the best. <laughs> First, the there were a couple horizontal cards that year. Right. The Carlton Fisk card, the in action oh, card was him diving, sprawling out for diving, diving yes. which is which is an absolutely beautiful baseball card. It's, it's one of my favorites. But also but also when when it, when you turn it horizontal now the name is perfectly aligned at the bottom of the image. And then the inaction goes up the right-hand side instead of the name going down on the left-hand side and the inaction yes. along the bottom, it, it it's a better layout. Like they should have all, that whole series should have, should have been, been sideways. You're right. Horizontal. You're right. Yeah. The other one is uh, the other one that was horizontal that I remember was the Robin Yount, which is a great example of my earlier. Oh yeah. Of the middle mid-air. infielder throwing in midair during a double play. And then there was a, also a funny like subset of the inaction card, which is as I think we've talked about before, the Mike Schmidt inaction <laughs> card is literally just him standing there. He's not doing anything. He's on base and he's like taking a lead. It's it's not he's not in action in any way, shape, or form. It's one of the least in actions you can be. Uh, and the same was true of the uh, the Johnny Bench card is just him up at the plate. Yes. Like there's just like I guess he's in action a little bit. He's also like 55 not, years old. Not really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, and, and then there are other ones that are fine. The Reggie Jackson one is him mid swing. The Pete Rose one is him busting out of the box. The Willie Stargell one is, is he's just finished his swing and he's running down to first. Same with Al Oliver. Uh, so like some of them are like fine, but the, but the, the Fisk and the Yount and are, are truly great. And I think really like, and the Jim Palmer one is a good rubber arm one because his glove hand is pointed back at a completely unnatural angle. Yes. It doesn't make any sense how his glove is pointed back. <laughs> so there are some really great ones. And then there's other ones that are just funny because they're so boring. Like the Mike Schmidt. It's it's they if you had searched ten thousand photographs taken at random through all of Mike Schmidt's games in nineteen eighty one, you it would be you'd be hard pressed to find a place where he is less in action than he is in the moment he's on his inaction card. Well it's it's so delightful. It's so because there there are a few that are like sort of like uh, is 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 uh, Chris Chambliss really in action? I mean, he's really not. It's just sort of a picture <laughs> from behind when he's at the plate. And Don Sutton in action. When Don Sutton at that time was eighty three years old or something, and yeah, and so like his in action is like he's throwing. He is in action, but you get the sense that he's not moving a lot faster than the baseball card itself is moving. He, he's and, taking. Uh, um, he's taking as uh, he's using every ounce of strength in his body to throw an 82 mile an hour fastball. <laughs> but my favorite in action card, and I know we have discussed this is the Bucky dent in action card where he is not in action. He has already swung the bat and he's looking and it's so clearly a pop-up to short right field, right? I mean, there's no, yeah. there's yeah. no question. It's not only an out, it's an out where like, he's not even going to run to first. Like he's going to get halfway there and, 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 but it is the ultimate, and it's Bucky. First of all, why does Bucky Dent have an inaction card? I mean, that's that's a right. that's a philosophical question. But secondly, not in action. Although you do see a little dirt, I guess. I'm now looking at it. You do see a little dirt kind of kicked up. Yeah, he him. kicked up a little dirt. I think it's actually sadder than an out. I think he hit it foul. <laughs> I think it's just. I think it's just a little pop fly that's drifting foul over the first base dugout. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not, that nobody can catch, but still doesn't quite reach the seats. You know, like I want to. I want to say for the record now that Tops is an official sponsor of this nonsense <laughs> that we do. That um, 
that I think the 82 set is the best top Ooh. set from, from our youth. Um, the only other candidates, I would say, uh, is the 75 set. 75 I think is, is so fantastic. Wonderful. But you know, like just, you know what set I think is really, really good is the 83 set with the, with the inset photo. Yeah, like, I, I think it's okay. And I have a soft spot for it because I, I really got into collecting that year. I was eight years old right. and I really, I was seven and eight and I really got into collecting. And that's also the Wade Boggs and Tony Gwynn rookie that's right. year. And so I, I have like 17 to, uh, Wade Boggs rookies <laughs> that, from that season. So like I, I do have a soft spot for it, but I don't think the design is as good as the 80. I think the 82 design is just so retro and cool. It is cool. And like... I think their all-star cards that year were great with the red stripes and the blue stars yes. going down the side. Yes. Like, there's something that just is really evocative to me about the 82 set more than the 83 set. Well, now that Topps is a presenting sponsor, we're, we're you know, we are basically every draft is going to be baseball cards. So we'll just figure out how to make that work. Great. With my fifth pick, I am choosing the classic because it hasn't been chosen. So it's got to be, to me, when I think of baseball cards, the classic pose is the pitcher with his hands above his head, right? His, his, like he's got the glove yes. and his hand above his head. And he's not really going into a windup because like there's no no other part of his body is moving. Like the only part that's moving is his, is his, is his hands. And he's just kind of looking at the camera and it looks almost like he's like putting his glove on top of his cap for some reason that makes no sense at all. Uh, I love those. And there are, yeah. there are, thousands of those right every i think that clearly was the fallback position for tops was like all right uh, you're a pitcher yeah no, I'm just, i always imagine the guy literally coming in like he's from bulgaria he's never seen a baseball game in his life and he's like okay what well, you you're a pitcher okay uh yeah put your hands above your head like like maybe you're throwing is that how you throw and it's i love it so much yeah it's definitely the best example of the attempt to capture baseball action that isn't actually baseball action that it's a total pose that doesn't look like there's i know it's impossible to tell but there's there's just no way that they were actually mid wind up they're just standing there with their hands over their head they're with their hands over their heads it's ridiculous oh this is my favorite draft i love i love this so much oh so great all right so it's time for one last meaningless thing to end this meaningless thing it's one last meaningless thing Sports and we draft things we know, like how beaches are terrible places to go. No hot fruit for Michael, no Diet Coke for Joe. The podcast whoa—it's one last And uh, I'll go first. I got a meaningless, very, very meaningless thing. I've mentioned my dog uh, on this podcast before, Wesley. Uh, Wesley is uh, mostly delightful, uh, but but Wesley is a barker. And uh, we have a door, our front door in our house. Uh, it's like a double door. And the, there are windows, and the windows come down pretty low. They come down exactly low enough so that our dog can look out the window. Like he he's tall enough that he can stick his head out the window. I mean, not out the window, but up to the window so he can see. And his favorite thing in the world to do is stand at the front door 
looking out the window and barking at anything that happens out there. Anything. Great. Right? Yeah, just what a joy. So no matter where we are, in fact, during this podcast, I heard him down there barking. So we have tried numerous things to get him away from the front door. My wife has put like screens in front of the the door. We actually ordered new doors. We're actually getting new doors because of this. Um, but but my favorite thing that she has done is uh, we got this giant box, cardboard box, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago now, I guess. And it's just this huge box that we we had something in it, and she has laid that box in front of the door, hoping that this is going to keep the dog away from uh from from you know the window, which of course it doesn't keep him away at all, but it does create an unbelievable fire hazard for us in the house because we can't get out. We have to move this stupid giant box. Perfect. Every and I've and I've yeah, it's perfect. And I've said over and over and over again, this is doing nothing. Why is this box here? But yet the box is still there. And I suspect if we ever move from this house, like the last thing we'll move is that box. I, I believe yeah. that box is now a part of our house. And it's uh, you won't move it until like there is some kind of emergency or you're late <laughs> for something and you have to get out of the house really quickly. And then the box screws right. you up and then you'll be like, OK, now we have to move. Now this. we have to move it. It's ridiculous. Well, why is this been here? It doesn't matter. We did. So, yeah. So uh, meaningless thing box in front of our front door. My meaningless thing actually vaguely has to do with sports, and I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, there is this whole kerfuffle, as everyone knows, about the European Super League. Yes. Uh, these teams, it was these, a these, it was a huge kerfuffle, and these teams, uh, you know, from every European league, all these, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Liverpool, Manchester United, and Man City, and Bled, Real, and all these teams, right? So they're all they were going to break away, and they were basically going to form their own Champions League in an in an attempt where they they were guaranteed to get into every year in an attempt to just keep more money. It was just a crazy, crazy money grab, right. power grab from the from the from these billionaire monsters who uh who wanted to blow up the most famous and popular sport in the world. <laughs> and it all in fell apart and and now everyone's yelling at them, deservedly so, and their man U fans are storming the pitch before a match with Liverpool and disrupting the play and and FIFA is talking about sanctioning the teams and banning them from right. the Super League for uh, banning them from the Champions League for two years and all this stuff. And I think that there's been an important thing that's been lost in all of the discussion about this, which is um, for a, so a, a group of like the 12 or 15, whatever it was, 16, uh, you know, most powerful owners in sports, arguably these incredible billionaire oligarch monsters, capitalist monsters who were who are just like so powerful. They all got together and they forged this secret plan to completely upend the entire system of European yep. football. And they decided to call their new project the Super League. <laughs> and I just don't think enough attention has been paid to how stupid You're and so lame right. a name that is. How first thought and, and complete, like, did they not spend, how much time, did they, they spent probably 2,000 hours of time, billable hours with lawyers and bankers from JP Morgan and logistical staff and people, you know, at the highest echelons of power in the world coming up with how to do, how to pull this off. And then they spent 30 seconds oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. trying to figure out what to call this thing. Someone was like, what about just like Super League? And they're like, great. Yeah, we'll just call it the Super League. That's fine. And I really think that as we dunk on them and make fun of them for this incredible botched 
debacle that that is threatening literally like Manu fans are like de- basically demanding that the Glazers sell the team yeah. now and Stan Kroenke's in trouble and John Henry had to had to basically make a hostage video where he apologized <laughs> for the to this fans and, and and so as much as we're already making fun of them and dunking on them I think we need to do another round yes. of dunking on them for the lame <laughs> pathetic and sad name that they came up with for their league the Super League is just the saddest, most boring it's possible terrible. thing they could call that. And I just don't want that to get lost in the kerfuffle and the hubbub. You are so right. You are so, 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 so here's what, what I think. My guess. Did they have a name when they went out for the press conference? Or because my feeling is they had no name. They were getting ready. Guy covered the mic and said, Hey, what are we calling this thing? And the guy went, Super League. <laughs> oh, oh shit. Oh god. Oh no. I don't know. Uh, uh I don't Super know. League. Super League. Yeah. What about Super League? <laughs> Super League. That's it. And that's it. And then that was that was the name. Super is not a great word, by the way. What do you think? It's it's fine. It's fine I mean, for it, what but it, it it's just for. like it's just so first thought. That's what it, it's oh, like. Oh yeah. No, no. If you made a list of like, okay, we're putting these teams together, what should we call this? Every third grader would <laughs> would come up with pitch Super League. You know what I mean? Like and it's like uh, like incredible, amazing league, yeah, exactly. or super league, or or <laughs> wonder league. league, or mega league, or whatever. It's just I just can't believe that in all of them, with all the money and power oh, and yeah. like and, and and authority that they had, that that's what they settled. I'm telling on. It's you, just hilarious. They came up with it at the dais. I'm telling you, they literally came up with it. And I can see the guy covering the microphone and going, oh, what, are we, what are we calling this thing? What What is it? What's it going to be? He says, come up, come up with something. You didn't even tell him. Yeah, come up with something. Just come up. Just, you, just. you figure it out. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're all going to have $6 billion every year for the next 15 years. So just call whatever you want. It doesn't matter. I, think, I, I do think that it is, you know, there are moments in, in time, there are not many, where we can look around and go, Wow, that turned out exactly the way I would have hoped it turned out. <laughs> and that's what that like that Super League, like when it first came up, it seemed first of all like like, oh my god, nobody could stop them. Like that is yeah. like that was that was that moment in the James Bond movie where you're like, Oh, he's gonna win. The bad guy's winning. Yeah. Like there's no doubt. Yeah, this plan is bulletproof. <laughs> and you just were like and also we're used to in America these things. If if owners decide to do stuff, they just do it. They just like, do there's it. There's no stop. They, they don't just care. like yeah. They're like we're gonna play 17 games in the football season. Right. Okay, we're gonna change the way that the playoffs work. Okay, okay. like we just seven inning double headers. That's it. The, We've decided. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. The 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 Chargers are moving from San <laughs> right. Diego Cleveland's to moving. LA. Yeah. Cleveland's yeah. moving. St. Louis is moving. They just do stuff, and we all accept it because we have been trained to just accept whatever billionaires do right. as as like as unstoppable. And I don't, um, and I, I, I really was blown away at how, not only that it was stopped, but how quickly well, that it was the stopped. Thing. That was the thing. It was like, there was that moment where honestly, it's like, oh, the bad guys are going to win. I mean, remember like, uh, like, uh, you know, people, you know, talk show hosts are like crying. I mean, it was like, it was over. It was over. There was no way to stop them. And like 16 hours later, it was dead. I mean, it was completely utterly dead and and, the not, people and who, again who, not only was it dead but people were the owners were apologizing they were apologizing like like running away from it like it was a yeah, fire yeah no it was eating crow and in, in public it was amazing <laughs> we need them see that's how it should have ended for art model like art model should not have been able to move the browns uh, totally and and san diego should not have been able to move they not only should have not been able to move but they should have had to live with that shame forever. Like, not yes. only do you not get to move, but 
you are going to apologize and you probably are not going to be owner anymore. Where that's this is going to stick to you forever. <laughs> like you'll never get out from under this and, and you're, you're permanently stained with the shame of the embarrassing thing you tried to do. That should have been, that should always be the end. That should for all always of these be the ending. Oh, and it was the ending. Finally. Oh, it's so great. All right, Mike, well, we did it. So, uh, you know, it was a little longer than we, we wanted to go. I would think. <laughs> yeah, it always is. It always is. But as always, thank you. Thanks for having me. Today's episode is sponsored by the NBA and their quest to advance the game of basketball, grow the community, and impact culture. The league celebrates its teams, players, and fans across the past, present, and future as part of the 75th anniversary season. That's game highlights pivotal moments on court and beyond. From iconic plays in arenas to the impact players have in communities, that's the NBA. That's game. It's like game five of the NBA Finals where I was lucky enough to be there. Bucks, Suns in Milwaukee. I'm sitting kitty corner from Giannis Antetokounmpo as he rises up for that incredible alley-oop. Drew Holiday having stolen the ball from Devin Booker on the other side. Found Giannis in transition. Incredible stuff. That's the NBA. That's game. This is more than just basketball. It's what connects us all and keeps us coming back for more. That's the NBA. That's game.